Thank you, choir, for the beautiful song. And this morning we're going to be in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and be turning there, uh, we're going to look at the first three verses. And in this text, I'm, I, I will go ahead and apologize. I know I've only been here for uh, 11 months or so, but uh, I'll just go ahead and warn you. I tend to refer to this passage that we're going to read today so much that it's probably going to get annoying over the next 50 years. But uh, just to just to tell you how much I refer to it, I can open my Bible and it just naturally falls to this this uh, passage because I've bent my Bible so many times in preaching that. And it I, I preach from it, as you'll see from this sermon today, because I believe that it is more central to the story of the gospel than we as uh, modern believers tend to give it credit for. And so as we get to that today, um, we'll, you'll hopefully understand by the end of the sermon why this passage is so pivotal to the story of the gospel. But just to let you know um, what my intention is, you know, it is the Christmas season. Uh, and as we approach the Christmas season, it is also an important time of the year for another reason. We as Southern Baptists, our church is a member of the Southern Baptist Convention, and we as Southern Baptists focus our missions efforts as a denomination on this particular time of year. The Southern Baptist Convention, you may or may not know, is the largest mission-sending organization in America. And the International Mission Board, which is our missions agency, sends out around 4,500 missionaries every year. And those missionaries are largely funded through a, a once-a-year missions offering known as the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. So every year, the Southern Baptist Convention collects, during the month of December, this Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. And because of the way our denomination is structured, this offering, uh, every single dime of this offering goes directly to the missionaries in the field. We, as a Southern Baptist Church, we give every month to support the cooperative program, which is a, a program that is set up by the Southern Baptist Convention that makes sure that all the agencies of the Southern Baptist Convention are funded, including the International Mission Board. And so what that means is when you give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, you don't pay for any other administrative costs. So most missions organizations that you give to, most uh, uh, humanitarian organizations that you give to, about 30 cents of every dollar that you give goes to the actual work that they're doing. The rest of it is used for administrative costs, for the secretaries and the administrators and all of that, and the cars and the trucks and the shipping and all that that's required. But with the International Mission Board and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that we give to, 100% of that money goes to the missionaries in the field. It goes to their work in spreading the gospel. So because our denomination places such an important emphasis on this offering, I want to do the same thing. So I want to ask you as a church to consider uh, giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Now, we as a church, we have a designated budget line item for Lottie Moon that we give 
so much of a percentage of our budget every year to Lottie Moon to support that mission's effort. But there's no reason that we can't individually decide to give an additional amount of our tithes and offerings to support that same effort this year. And so what I want to ask is if you've had a bonus this year or you've had you know extra money come in, the Lord's blessed you in any way, I'm not asking that you give your regular tithe to this uh, missions effort, but what I'm asking is if you have extra money, you have a bonus, or you just want to give above and beyond your usual tithe, then I would ask that you give to support Lottie Moon through our church. And the way that I ask that you do that is if you would if you would just write a check to our church, to Antioch West Baptist Church, and in the memo or the four or the designation column or, or field, just put Lottie Moon. And I've already talked to Miss Cindy about it. She'll know to make sure that that goes in with our usual um, percentage that we give once a year to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And so... To focus our minds and our hearts on missions and to focus our minds and our hearts on giving to missions, I wanted to spend the next four weeks as we build up to the Christmas season focusing on the topic of missions. So over the next four weeks, I want to look at the beginning of missions, the plan for missions, the pattern of missions, and the end of missions. So today we're going to start at the beginning by looking at the beginning of missions. So now when we speak of, if I were to say, I want you to preach or teach on missions, and I want you to, to tell me how did all these missions efforts start? Most people, when they think of a mission sermon or a missions topic, they think of Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, which is what we call the what? Y'all know the Great Commission, right? It is what we look at as the central pivotal passage that where Jesus commissions his disciples to go into all the world. But I want to show today that God's mission began way before Matthew chapter 28. And to see that, I want us to look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. So let's read that together and then I'll pray And we'll get into understanding this text a little better. Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, God's word says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning asking that you would work through me, that you would use your word to change these, your people, that they might serve you and walk after you. Father, give me strength, give me clarity that I might teach these, your people, and that they might walk after you. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So from this passage today, I want you to notice three points about missions. First, missions is a work of God. Second, missions centers on a promise. And third, missions is meant for all people. So missions is a work of God. 
Missions is centered on a promise and missions is meant for all people. So first, notice that missions is a work of God. Because we're picking up in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, we kind of miss a very important point in this story. We can miss how big of a deal Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 is. So just to to take you back through Genesis chapter 3 through chapter 11, just remember with me the stories that we have been through if we have gone through chapters 3 through 11 that build up to this pivotal moment in the history of God's work. In Genesis chapter 3, you remember there was that dreadful story of the fall of Adam and Eve as they took of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil and plunged the world into sin. And then immediately following that in chapter 4, we have this new man, Cain, in whom Eve has placed all of her hope. And she, she says, when Cain is born, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And there's this great hope in Eve's words that she says there in Genesis chapter 4, that this man, Cain, he, at least he means the prospering of the race, that mankind will go on. But there's hope there too that this will be the man who will crush the head of the serpent. This Cain will be the one who will free mankind from the curse of the fall. And yet, Cain shows himself to be a slave to sin by killing his brother Abel. And then in chapter 6 through 8, We read that people were evil and were full of violence. And so God judges the world in a flood. And after the flood in chapter nine, our hopes get up because we're like, okay, finally, God's got a man named Noah that is going to set everything right. And he's going to he's going to start over with Noah and things are going to be okay. And God's going to have a righteous man that's going to set the world free of the curse of Adam. But then we find out. In chapter 9, we find Noah passed out from drunkenness, lying naked for all the world to see. And not only that, but his son, Ham, comes in and shames him in some way in his nakedness, and he is cursed because of it. Finally, in chapter 11, the people gather together in one place and start to build a tower that they might make a name for themselves. They literally want to reach up to the heavens and obtain the throne of God by building this tower. And God judges their project by confusing their languages and scattering them. So Genesis chapter 12 verse 1 comes on all that it comes on, it comes on the heels of all of that despair. There is not one man who is able to free this world of the curse of sin. No matter how great men grew, no matter how wise they became, no matter how righteous they seemed to other men, there was not one man who could right this world of the curse of Adam. And yet, just when we think that all hope is lost, We read in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, that God speaks. Man has done his thing, and now God will speak. And he speaks in the most 
unsuspecting of places. Abram, we find out from the last part of Genesis chapter 11, is an old man. He's about 75 years old at this point. And he lives in the land of Ur, which means he was very likely a pagan himself. And he was married to Sarah. And the only thing we know about Sarah at this point is that she is barren. Yet God comes to this helpless man and he makes him a great promise. You see, brothers and sisters, if the world is going to be saved from the curse of Adam, God must do it. There is no hope in a good man to come along and right the ship. There is no hope in in uh, humanity to get its act together and to pass the right laws and do the right things. It is only when God speaks and makes a promise that the world is set to right. And God does that by speaking and beginning the work of missions here in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Second, I want you to see that missions centers on the promise of God. God promises Abram that he will bless him and make his name great. Now we read that and we might wonder why on earth God would choose one man to bless like this. Why would God put, in effect, put all his marbles into one basket and such a puny basket at that? We find out later that God's purpose in choosing Abraham is so that the greatness of God might be proven through him. Think of all the twists and turns in Abram's life. Brother Doug talked about that this morning in Sunday school. The, more, the most glaring challenge to the promise that God has made is right here in this text in the fact that Sarah is barren. Then you, then you have Abram's fear. Remember all the twists and turns of Abram's lack of faith and, and his fear of other men and he's willing to give his wife away two different times And not only that, but he's willing to accept a concubine from his wife at his wife's suggestion. But the imperfection doesn't just end with Abram. Isaac and Jacob would both have stunning moments of faithlessness. Even beyond the patriarchs, the nation of Israel would stumble time and again. So what is God doing in making such a great promise to such a faithless people. Well, 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 22 tells us the motivation of God in His promise. And this is what it says. For the Lord will not forsake His people for His great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for Himself. You see, brothers and sisters, God's purpose in choosing Abram and making this great promise was so that he might make his name great through them. Think about it. Abraham's faithlessness proved God's faithfulness. Jacob's deceit proved God's truthfulness. Israel's weakness in Egypt proved God's power over the greatest nation on earth at the time. Judah's captivity in Babylon proved that God had no borders or boundaries. You see, brothers and sisters, God's name is known through His faithfulness to His promises. 
And his faithfulness to his promises is known in you too. God has been faithful to you. He has been faithful to heal you. He has been faithful to provide for you. He has been faithful to save you. And that faithfulness in you is a testimony to this world. Just as he was faithful to the weak and the lowly and the barren and the infertile and the incapable Abram and Sarah, so he is faithful to you, even though you are weak and incapable and unable to fulfill the promises that you have made to him. He is still faithful to you. Finally, missions is meant for all people. Notice verse 3 of chapter 12 again. And this is, to me, the most important part of this promise that God makes to Abram. He says, I will bless you and I will make your name great. And then in verse 3, he says, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. After promising to bless and prosper Abram, God makes a promise that extends even to us here in Georgiana, Alabama in 2021. He promises that through Abram, all families of the earth will be blessed. This one childless, faithless man will somehow bless the whole world. But how? How is it that this man, even though he is extolled for his faith, this man who so often showed faithlessness, how is it that he will bless the world? Matthew gives us that answer in the very first verse of his gospel, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. And he gives us the, the answer in this way. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of of Abraham. Jesus was born a Jew. He was born a descendant of Abraham. In fact, you could argue he was born the descendant of Abraham. In Jesus, the blessings of God's promise to Abraham extend to all who believe. So Paul says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 7, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. All those who receive Jesus as Savior by faith are children of Abraham and heirs of the promise. You may be from a family who has no ties to church, who has been living against the will of God for eons, But the good news of the gospel is that through faith in Jesus Christ, you are included in this promise. You may be a Gentile from uh, and your family lineage may trace back to Germany or to Ireland or to Scotland. But the good news of the gospel is though your lineage is far from Jesus, Jesus is not far from you through the promise for through the faith that is in Him alone. And by faith, we are grafted in to the promise of Abraham. In Jesus, we are blessed along with Abraham 
the man of faith. Brothers and sisters, missions begins with the work of God and his promise to bring the world to himself through Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham. When we tell others about Jesus, we are extending the same promise that we received through Jesus Christ. We are extending the blessing of eternal life. When we pray for and we give to missions, we are supporting the work of missionaries who take that same promise to those who have not heard of the hope of the gospel message. May we work to bring the blessing of God to the whole world through our support of missions and our personal work of evangelism. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the promise of your son that through Jesus Christ, we are grafted into the blessings of Abraham, that we will be blessed because of the blessings that come to us through Jesus Christ. That we are a part of the heavenly family, not because anything we have done, but because you have set out to save this world through the one seed of Abraham, Jesus Christ. So, Father, may we in turn trust in you and seek to bring people to faith in you through our own works. Lord, may we share the gospel boldly. May we give to support missions. May we pray for missionaries around this world because we know that the only hope for this world rests in the promises that you have made and the work that you do through the gospel message. Father, bless us now as we respond to you in faith. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.